going on? Happy Election Day. It's Tuesday. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Follow me on Twitter, where we do a lot of the wet work. Um, I'm right now in the process of gutting a failed Democratic candidate for Congress in North Carolina. It's over on Twitter, at Pete Callender. Uh, and, of course, you can email at, uh, sorry, you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And apparently my Microsoft Outlook wasn't refreshing. It didn't reload yesterday. So I do have some mail from yesterday. It's okay because... It's still Election Day in America, and so uh, all of the emails are still relevant today, even though they're 24 hours late talking about the election that was six days prior to that. Man, what a country. At 1 o'clock, second hour here of the program, we're going to talk with uh, John Rogers and Brian Orovitz. They are the founders of Redo Voting, which promises a secure, transparent, accessible, real-time count of our elections using a system uh, that you'd probably recognize as the lottery. Yeah, so from now on, we're just going to choose our uh, elected officials by lottery. That's No, I'm kidding. I'm just... Now, we're actually going to go through the phone book and pull the... No, just kidding. It's an old reference. Okay, so uh, let's uh, get to the the recap, the roundup here. This is from uh, Ben Whedon over at JustTheNews.com. A Monday night vote dump in Arizona prompted the Associated Press to call two more congressional races in favor of Republican candidates nearly one week after the November 8th midterm elections. The AP called the contest in Arizona's first district for the GOP's David Schweikert, and the 6th district race for Republican Juan Siscomani. 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 Anyway, the outlet has projected Republicans to win 214 seats thus far, meaning they need just four more to claim the Speaker's gavel from Nancy Pelosi. Republicans currently lead in seven of the 16 remaining uncalled races. So you got 16 races still out there. Republicans lead in seven. What? Oh! Hang on, we just found some more ballots in a trunk, and now they are down. But I'm just kidding. We haven't found any trunk ballots yet. Al Franken, nowhere near the scene in Arizona. Um, so they lead in, Republicans lead in seven of the 16 remaining uncalled races. Of those, one of them is New York's 22nd district, in which Republican Brandon Williams maintains a 4,000-vote lead over Democrat Francis Cannoli. Cannoli? 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 C-O-N-O-L-E. Yeah, I'd I'd say Cannoli, right? That's a Cannoli. So Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. In Colorado, Republican Representative Lauren Boebert hanging on to a slightly more than 1,000-vote lead. Uh, All of the remaining races... Currently favoring Republicans are in California. Okay, so those, so they need seven. They're leading in this New York one over the cannoli and Lauren Boebert hanging on to a slight majority uh, in Colorado. So those are two out of the seven. That leaves five. And out of the five, the GOP needs to win two of them in California. And they currently enjoy leads 
in those. So you got to have Brandon Williams and Lauren Boebert uh, maintain their leads and win. And then the GOP has to pick up two of the five California races in which they currently enjoy leads, barring any unexpected leader flips in the nine uncalled contests currently favoring Democrats. The final result, regardless of which party wins, the House is likely to be one of the narrowest margins of control in the history of the House. Guy Benson at Town Hall and Fox News contributor guy. He said, well, his name is Guy. Yeah. He says, a slight oversimplification, but basically right. The voters who decide elections in key states and districts have demonstrated what sorts of Republicans they are willing and eager to support and what sorts they are not. GOP primary voters can either notice and win or not and not. Right? There are there are signals. Just like this is the beauty of Free market capitalism, right? The free market is everybody making their own decisions. The market seeing the signals. This is why government intervention in the markets is so detrimental because it short circuits those signals. And so uh, just like a monopoly does. So in the marketplace, just like in the primaries versus general, you're, you're getting a signal. And I just heard, you know, Carrie Lake uh, running for governor and in, uh, in uh, Arizona and, uh, She's saying that she's, I guess, not going to accept the res- the uh, the results. And I'm not sure. Right from what I understood, right now it's outside of the margin of an automatic recount, and so uh, I don't know what the rules are in Arizona. Uh, she may be able to request a recount of some sort, which I fully support. Any candidate who wants to get a recount, that's that's fine, uh, especially one that has been just riddled uh, with so many counting problems as Arizona has. And you add on top of that, I'm just trying to imagine how much blood would be running down the streets from all of the left-wing exploded heads if this had gone the other way. Well, and I kind of have a pretty good idea because remember this is the, the same thing that happened in Georgia where the guys who run the elections are up for the election. And I, I, I'm not a fan of that. Not a fan of that at all. Um, Ed Whelan is a uh, is the distinguished senior fellow of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, and he holds the uh, EPPC's Antonin Scalia Chair in Constitutional Studies. And he said, "I still think that the power move for Trump to, uh, tonight." would be to declare that having been elected to the office of the president twice, he recognizes the 22nd Amendment bars him from running again. (laughs) Show of hands. How many people think that's going to (laughs) happen? Yeah. I did watch some of the Mike Pence stuff last night. Um, It's quite obvious he wants to run for president. I'm not sure who is telling him he has a shot to win that, but okay. I also... Wonder, you know, if he's going to jump in and uh, there are other candidates that jump in and we get a replay of 2016 where you have Trump and you have an anti-Trump vote and it gets splintered uh, in every one of the primaries early on and everybody drops out. And it's just one big grift, you know, just one big way that the candidates promote their book tours, get their, you know, contributor positions, which are paid for uh, uh, on these uh, cable channels and stuff. So they become, you know, exclusive talking heads for a particular cable channel or or uh, network station. 
And uh, so a lot of them have no intentions of actually winning. I mean, I guess it would be nice if they could win, but that would be gravy. A lot of them just run to raise money, keep their name in, uh, you know, in circulation, make sure that their, you know, their name and their brand doesn't lose value. Um, in Arizona, independents voted for Kimberly Yee for treasurer, but not Carrie Lake. There was about 100,000 vote difference between their totals, which would have put Lake, I believe, uh, over Hobbs. Which tells you, and the same thing happened uh, in a state legislative race uh, up in the mountains when I was up there a couple years back, where you saw a candidate that was lower on the ballot get more votes than someone who was higher on the ballot, and they're running in the same jurisdiction. In this case, it was a these were districts. One was a county commission district, and one was a state house district. And the uh, the county commission district, because they're identical districts, the county commission district candidate Miranda DeBrule, I believe it was, she beat Tim Moffat in his own district. Same district, same lines, and same voters, and fewer people voted for him than Miranda DeBrule, the county commissioner who was down ballot. That tells you that people made a decision against that candidate. Because they skipped over the race or they voted for the opponent. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So tonight, you want to watch along with Brett Winterbull, Donald Trump's big address. We are actually carrying the UNC game tonight, so we will not be broadcasting uh, or have the ability to broadcast uh, Trump's speech tonight. But um, Brett Winnable is going to be over on the FaceTube, Facebook, I should say, uh, the Facebook Live. And uh, he's going to be doing, uh, he's going to host, basically, and watch the speech with you. So if you want to watch the speech with Brett, uh, go over to the WBT Facebook Live feed, about 850 I guess he's going to make the announcement at 9, so about 8.50 p.m. Head on over to WBT's Facebook page and uh, wait there for Brett, and he'll join you and watch and make comments and analyze and get your comments. And Oh, it'll be great. He's also going to be at the uh, auto show, by the way. What is he? Brett's on, like, some sort of world domination tour or something, I think. This is how it starts. (laughs) He's going to be at the Charlotte Auto Show. For the 29th year, not, well, okay, he hasn't been going for 29 years, but the Charlotte Auto Show has been going on for 29 years, and this is the 29th year. It's at the Charlotte Convention Center. Brett's going to be there uh, on Thursday at 3 o'clock doing his show. It's Hero Day as well, so uh, bring your ID, and you get free entry if you are active military or veteran. If you're a first responder, a teacher, or you're in the medical profession, bring an ID, and you get free entry to the 29th annual Charlotte Auto Show. And say hi to Brett. Um, this guy on Twitter I follow, his name is Anthony Abitis. And um, I don't know if that's his real name. I'm not sure if he's a writer or pundit or whatever. He, he seems like he may be uh, undercover. But he's got, he moves in a circle of I, I, what I call influencers, right? Not not in the, no, not in that sense. Not in the sense of like the the... You know, the chicks that are taking all of the selfies, making duck lips. I'm not not that kind of influencer. Um, but on Twitter, there's a certain group of people that I follow to get a vibe on what different 
tribes are talking about. And he's one of a tribe. And by the way, if you're on Twitter, you can follow my influence list and see, and you could just, and just click the list, follow the list. And you'll see when you pull up that list, every time you'll see just the people that I have put in there that I've populated the list with. And he's one of them, Anthony Abidis. He talked about something. I found this very interesting. He said that candidate quality, which we've heard now from Mitch McConnell, candidate, sorry, and he, absolutely, he says, absolutely does not play a factor in Democrat elections. And I hadn't ever considered this. He's so he's so right. <laughs> you never seriously like have you heard any kind of criticism of Stacey Abrams? About candidate quality. She wasn't a quality candidate. You don't hear this. Candidate quality. Campaign quality does factor into Republican elections. And despite any problems with Trump and Oz, it is a national disgrace that Democrats in Pennsylvania managed to use gaslighting and early voting to send Giselle Fetterman to the Senate. Right? If we had an honest, legit media... They would find it repugnant what was uh, the Pennsylvania race with Fetterman. They were lied to if they were not culpable and, uh, and cooperative in the lie themselves. Right? They were, they were, we were, everyone was. Right? We were gaslit like, oh, no, he's totally fine. It's just an auditory processing thing. No, no. It's not a hearing thing. That's him speaking. He's trying to say things and they aren't working. Is that auditory? I think it's verbal. It's a verbal processing problem, which I think might be a problem if you're going to like the world's greatest deliberative body, right? But what do I know? Um, And Giselle Fetterman, which is uh, Fetterman's, oh, sorry, Fetterwoman's wife. Well, I mean, that's what he called himself at that rally. So she's, she's angling to get appointed to his seat because he won't be able to fulfill the duties of the office. That's been the speculation up in Pennsylvania. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what everyone is looking at. Irrespective of anything Republicans did this cycle, Fetterman's victory is absolutely scandalous and an indictment of the American voting system. And as much as Republicans don't want to hear it, these are the rules now, folks. These are the rules. And I appreciate people. I've got a couple of messages. I'll get to them about people saying we need to fix the, uh, the, the problem and we need to, you know, unwind all these pandemic era rules. And I agree. But here's the thing. You can't change any of the laws unless you win a majority in the lawmaking bodies. So you need to win the House, the Senate, and you need to win governor's races in order to not veto. Or you have to have super majorities to override That's the state of affairs we are in right now. So you may not like the early voting. You may not like absentee voting. You may not like all of these systems that Democrats built and gamed. But they obviously are successful in it. And if Republicans don't match that, no matter how distasteful you might find that, Republicans will not win again. They will not be able to get all of their voters out. I've got a bunch of stuff on this. But this also ties into the redo voting program as well, which we're going to talk with the founders of that at one o'clock. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got a message 
from Stan. He says uh, the Republicans don't need an early vote strategy. They need to get legislation passed for an honest voting strategy, which is voting on Election Day and then an honest count. How to win dealing with the corruption will still lead to a corrupt outcome. All right. How do you win? How do you win the legislature if you don't win the election? How do you write the law if you don't win the legislature? This is what I this is what I'm not understanding. This is strategy. Right? Let's just think logically about this. If the rules are thanks to the pandemic and all of the lawsuits and uh uh law changes that occurred, if this is now the current state of affairs, and we are going to be having weeks of early voting, weeks and maybe even months of ballots coming in, election month I mentioned yesterday, Pennsylvania had a 50-day election. 50 days. That's nuts. But if that's the state of affairs, then doesn't it make sense to maximize your vote totals during the 50 days? Oh, I'm just going to go on this one day. Republicans won a majority of the congressional vote in Arizona. They're going to send a 6-3 to Uh, delegation to Washington, six Republicans, three Democrats. Matt Whitlock, a former uh, National Republican Senatorial Committee comms guy, said on Twitter, if you're blaming McConnell for Blake Masters' loss because he pulled out $10 million but are totally cool with Trump explicitly raising money for Masters and then keeping 99% of it, then you might not be arguing in good faith here. Oh, and by the way, McConnell spent $17 million in Arizona through One Nation PAC. Failure has, what is it, is it victory, is it victory has many fathers, but failure is an, off, is an orphan, or is it vice versa? Is that, is that the deal? Anyway, uh, in this case, it seems like failure has many fathers. <laughs> I'm not sure, Bre- uh, Michael Brendan Doherty, National Review senior writer, he says, I'm not sure that dynamic is avoidable, however, given that hard feel- how hard feelings are after this election cycle, Republicans have had a hard time separating diehard Trump supporters from Trump, usually because they make it so obvious that they don't want to serve those voters at all. This is a problem for the GOP leadership. They kind of look at Trumpists as kind of icky, right? But the same way they looked at the Tea Partiers, I remember. A lot of the grassroots activists are kind of held in contempt by sort of the the country club wing of the Republican Party. The Republican Party, if they don't recognize that the future for them is in growing their blue-collar worker, you know, uh, demographic, I'm not sure sure how successful they can be. And then there's an organization called Political Election Projections, which I believe they make uh, projections about... uh, Elections, I think. Anyway, they said instead of campaigning like hell in his re-election bid, Gavin Newsom was running ads in Florida trying to own Ron DeSantis or something. And it might have cost Democrats a good two to four seats in the House. Wouldn't that be something? So while Republicans are, you know, having the, the what did Mitch McConnell always call it? The knife fight in a phone booth. Uh, and so uh, Democrats in California, they are... They're being criticized for the same thing. Gavin Newsom being criticized for the same thing. He's out there cutting ads, spending money against Ron DeSantis. Why? Well, because he obviously considered DeSantis to be a political opponent for a 2024 presidential run, right? 
So he's going to go after DeSantis. Even though you got all of these congressional seats, these people might need some extra money, and you're spending it attacking DeSantis. The grift is profound here. It really is. This entire consultant class in politics, man. I I was just reading a story. I think it was NBC. Let me see here. Uh, As I just sent it out. Uh, Mark Caputo. 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 uh, Has a connection here to North Carolina. Herschel Walker's campaign is telling Republicans to stop deceptive fundraising for the runoff. Because politicians, GOP politicians and associated committees are sending out desperate fundraising emails begging the GOP faithful to help save America by getting behind Herschel Walker in this runoff. But what's not immediately clear to the recipients of these emails is how little of the money that they donate goes to Walker's campaign. 90 cents on the dollar does not. Only 10 cents out of every dollar donated actually goes to Herschel Walker's campaign. So Walker's campaign is asking fellow Republicans to stop it. Uh, They say uh, Walker campaign manager Scott Paradise said, uh, we need everyone focused on winning the Georgia Senate race and deceptive fundraising tactics by teams that just won their races are siphoning money away from Georgia. Let me scroll down here. After the 90 to 10 ratio was highlighted on Twitter, Trump's camp uh, or uh, Trump's committee changed the allocation to a 50-50 split. The problem for the Walker campaign, however, is that the emails from different political committees, one even for the North Carolina Republican Party, along with campaign committees of newly elected GOP senators J.D. Vance in Ohio and Ted Budd in North Carolina, they were initially defaulted to a 90-10 split as well. They have since changed that allocation to a 50-50 split after they were contacted by the Walker campaign. So just a simple question for uh, Republican leadership and uh, and campaigns. What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> Seriously. What the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do something like that? Then there's Bill Sh- Share over at the Washington Monthly publication. Headline, Democrats meddled in Republican primaries. Good. That's the headline. The Democratic Party's strategy to help election deniers win Republican primaries to help Democrats win in November worked. The Machiavellian scheme worked. In the six races where Democrats got the Republican nominee they wanted after running reverse psychology ads highlighting the candidate's conservative bona fides, Democrats won. I highlighted this during the primaries when Democrats were pumping all the money in. It was highly cynical. It betrayed the lie that democracy is on the ballot. It's just branding, and the media runs with it. The media adopts this stupidity, this this Democrat branding. The media always adopts the Democrat branding. My God, could you imagine how many races Republicans would win if they had just half the amplification that Democrats get with their allies in corporate media? My goodness. So Democrats throw their money behind the worst candidates in these primaries. Those candidates win. And then Democrats have an easier time beating them. Bill Scher, who is a lefty, he says, 
So it worked out this time, but wasn't it morally wrong? Didn't it undermine the Democrats' credibility as defenders of democracy if they were willing to risk election deniers being nominated and even elected? So to answer his own questions, was it morally wrong? He says it was not. And does it undermine the Democrat credibility? And he says it should not. Oh, okay. So the, uh, the short version here is the ends justify the means. Okay. New rules, to quote Bill Maher, new rules, we all accept these standards. This is the new battleground. This is where we shall compete. So now the Republican establishment, Trump, uh, Trump world, uh, all the super PACs, y'all need to go on out, find you the most terrible, deplorable, commie uh, candidates you can find, put them up into the Democrat primaries and try to get him elected high inflation should have wrecked the president's party but the issue of democracy weighed down republicans the associated press survey of more than ninety-four thousand midterm voters found 44 percent said that quote the future of democracy helped determine their vote running just behind inflation at 51 percent what have i always said elections are about what media make them and media made this election about democracy and abortion. And even though people are suffering under inflation we have not seen in my lifetime, even though people are losing their jobs now, can't afford groceries, can't afford gas, had their schools locked down, had lost their jobs from vaccine mandates, the terrible governance of the Democrat Party, in their own personal experience, still wasn't enough. Media made the election what it wanted it to be about, So, everybody gets to play by these rules now. Let's start getting some really terrible Democrats out there. I look forward to it. Oh, it should be fun. Target-rich environment for me. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Let me see here. Da, 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 da. This is uh, got a... Uh, so, when I, by the way, when I read the Pete tweets, uh, some of them are public tweets and some of them are direct messages people send me. And so if you're looking on my profile trying to find what I'm reading, sometimes they don't show up there because they are direct messages from people. And uh, and so I, I don't give out their names because if somebody is sending me a DM, I assume that they want that private. So um, I, I'm reading one now. It says, talk to a lot of fellow Pennsylvania residents. From what I have heard, Fetterman's stroke actually helped him win votes among people who resonated with him. Him embracing it was actually a good campaign tactic. Well, I, and that may be true, but that was not what they thought it would be. That is not the outcome that they thought it would be, which is why they covered it up for so long. Right. Had they I mean, maybe he could have won by even more if he had just been honest about it out of the gate. But maybe then he would have been forced out. Remember, he had the stroke before the primary. So there was opportunity for him to 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 bow out. But and look, I've also heard from people who know or have had strokes, bad ones, uh, either they or uh, family and friends. And they're like, it takes a lot of therapy in the early months. And he may have now missed that window. 
So, I mean, I, I guess it was worth it. Um, Will, welcome to the program. Hello, Will. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. What's up? Good. Uh, before anybody on the left over there starts saying another cuckoo left uh, conspiracy theory there, I, I just want to have an open discussion a bit and sort of get your thoughts. I know it's a Republican uh, Supreme Court, and I know there's deals done behind behind doors all the time, but the timing and everything just seems way too convenient for liberals for uh, you know the election. I think abortion is the only thing that really saved Democrats. So That's, I was really you so know, thinking, you're, ta- you're what talking are about the chances that you know this is uh, something from the left that's collaborated with with uh, the Supreme Court from the right to try to get. Uh, you know, try to get this overturned, you know, so they could use the angle of they're coming for your right to for your body decisions. The timing and of the, the way it was released early yeah. before it actually was overturned. You know, all this just stinks to high heck to me. And I just wanted to know, a, of a gentleman like yourself, what are your thoughts on it? So I, the timing of the release of the opinion was not suspicious because they knew it was going to be they, they the Supreme Court tells you, like, they have a calendar, right? So they're like, here, we're going to hear these cases, the oral arguments are going to occur at this point in time, and then uh, we're going to have the opinions released at this point in time. And you never know what opinions are going to be released on what day, but you always have a, a sort of window. So we always knew that once the court took the Dobbs case that they were going to decide on it before the November election. That was my understanding of it. Now, the release of the uh, the draft that occurred... Uh, well, we all know they got to the bottom of that and found out who it was. Oh, yeah, actually, they haven't. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it definitely uh, it it angered and motivated people on the left, I think. Sure. I don't know that that's why we saw what we saw, though, on Tuesday, last Tuesday. I think it's a culmination. I've been going over all of the different breakdowns on this stuff. I mean, you had you had a, a, a long period of early voting, absentee uh, ballot harvesting in, Cal- in uh, yeah, California and such. You had bad candidates. You had money that was spent poorly. There's a lot of... You also had a unique environment where the former president is still around, could run again, and so it's not strictly a referendum on just Joe Biden, right? So there are a lot of different... Uh, there are a lot of different angles there. But, uh, Will, I do appreciate the call, sir. I have heard somebody made a mention also that Lindsey Graham's um, uh, proposal for a national abortion law, that that may have harmed Republican chances as well. It could be all of the above.